uh, expansion of dream life. So I, I usually do have quite a bit of prophetic dreams, but by you know doing Luminate, my dream life definitely expanded. And something unexpected about that is that I realized that God speaks to me mostly through dreams. Like I'm often trying to get a word like, you know, give me a word that I can hear or give me a word that I can feel, but actually God just gives me dreams. Another unexpected thing is Luminate is not like, you know, cups of tea and sitting around on couches. It's quite intense. So you're there every week, you're accountable to do certain things and you're really, uh, you're committing to a process of spiritual growth, uh, which forces you to change. Like you become a, a bigger person, like that scripture says, uh, enlarge my heart. It's not, you know, lollipops and rainbows. It is a process. So it's almost like you're going on your own biblical journey in like a condensed period of time. So it is intense, but that's what you want. Like if you want to change and if you want to tap into your scroll, you sort of have to go through that level of intensity. So in a way, it's a process of change, but that actually makes you a much more stronger, powerful person in the spirit, which is ultimately what you want to get out of it. You don't want to leave Luminate being a weaker, smaller person. That'd be pointless. So, you know, it is intense, but it works. That was very refreshing. That was a male perspective. It's refre again, a refreshing, refreshing. And, and, and just in case you're wondering, we do serve tea at Luminate, but culturally that's not, you know. But um, one, of the things, uh, one of the things with Luminate is this, is that you, you can't get away from the very words of Jesus in Luke 17, 20 and 21. He says, the kingdom of God is not external. The kingdom of God is within you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what the whole Luminate is, is uh, you're going into the inner world. I'm not saying that people get stuck uh, in the realm of the belly button, um, but basically is this, is that any true discipleship involves a level of risk. Because sometimes uh, the Lord opens you up and then you look inside like, ah! So, and then, and then what we've got to do, <laughs> we've got to journey that out and there's risk involved, but otherwise... Because one of the things we've got to make sure is that it, 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 it literally, Jesus says, unless a seed goes in the ground and dies, it remains alone. We have to know what it is to completely put him first, what that looks like. Um, and so with Luminate, that's, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so they, so they are. Um, it, it's an amazing, exciting journey is the inner world, but it has to be stewarded and, and there has to be levels, there has to be checks and balances and levels of accountability. Uh, you know, it just is what it is. I'll tell you something, like I said, we, got it, we, got, we do have some runs on the board, but i tell you what, nearly everyone's issues are unresolved youth issues. Nearly everyone. Because we found that uh, thinking, emotional stuff, all that sort of stuff, and we don't want to spend years and years and years undoing wrong thinking, etc. Um, there's a time, I think, that, that a great analogy, I can't remember who came up with this, is that you, the, the, the church... Quite often for people just coming in off the street, it's a hospital and then they learn to do family and then they manifest as an army. And when you get people in the hospital phase for decades, something's not uh, uh, working, okay? Because, because we, we really, there's a lot of things to do. And that being said, I do wanna thank all the volunteers for Walk for Life yesterday. Thank you so much. That was a really, really big deal. Really important. It's not like the unborn can speak for themselves. And so um, I think the numbers are very, very healthy, but that's just such a big deal. We've been talking about it. This is the thing spiritually that has to be turned around because the shedding of innocent blood creates an outcry in the spirit before the Lord. And so you can't, just because it's out of sight, it's not out of God's mind. It's really, really important. So um, yeah, but just a much appreciation with all of that. So. Something, I don't know what you guys felt in the worship, but I started to feel the massiveness of God. The massiveness of God. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna pray that that continues and we're gonna, we're gonna be, bring a massive word. <laughs> and as usual, blow things up, but blow the right things up. Holy Ghost, thank you that you're here. Thank you. Any two or more gathered together. In your name, Jesus, you're in the midst. And this is your church. You're the owner. You're the boss and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So we just thank you. You've put us in charge in you, 
in you, Lord God. And we just thank you. We just ask for your anointing and blessing. Right now, we thank you for fresh oil rubbed on people's spiritual minds. We thank you, Lord God. I thank you also this year is a manifestation of the fear of the Lord. I think it's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. You're awesome, Lord. We love you. Bless this word. Amen. I'm going to, we've been talking about heavenly government at the beginning of the year. I uh, just, I, I heard 24. Is it connected to the Gregorian? Uh, it's, it's not that, it's actually God does speak through numbers and I've got 24 elders, 24 hours. And it does seem very abstract to rule over time. So we're actually stepping this up or stepping it through because what I've learned with, with, with education or new information, someone can tell you something quite profound and you go, wow, come on. But you cannot retain it unless you can connect it to something you already know. That's why Jesus said things like, I've got so much more to tell you, but you can't bear it now. And that's why communication is a process of not just revelating, but building. So we're gonna go deeper and deeper on this because uh, basically uh, 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 Revelation 21 was the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven and it was just 12s everywhere because we have 12 tribes, 12 uh, 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 apostles, the, the uh, trees of life bearing 12 fruits corresponding with the months of the year, etc. So 12 is the number of government that God wants to speak to us through. So that being said, let's launch into Matthew 28. I just always, this, this is a thing. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. There was one missing. To the poor choices, son of perdition, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. The human heart. This is actually, I'm gonna launch into stuff I didn't plan to, so all good. If you read Exodus and the Torah, God spectacularly manifests to the naked eye. Whether it was the plagues, the Red Sea, the manna, the quail, the cloud over the mountain, the mountain shaking, the audible voice, the sounds of the trumpets. That's pretty intense. And yet, they did not believe. People now go, if I could just see, then it would help. No, it actually wouldn't. The Lord says, I'm gonna bypass that faculty and now fulfilling Habakkuk's prophecy, the just shall live by faith. And the word in the old covenant, the equivalent is trust and trust is built. I find it fascinating that, that God became a man, lived amongst us, ministered openly. And then what happened is that when He rose from the dead, He didn't appear to the Sanhedrin, Herod, Pilate, or in the temple. He appeared in secret to believers. Isn't that profound? Because He had appointed in the Holy Ghost and in Christ for His children to do the work on the earth in the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, can you imagine how different it would be if Jesus came back, went in the temple, goes, here we go, guys. How many thousands of witnesses witnessed that? Hear the holes, big line up. Wow, it's true. Think about how, things, how different it all would be. But He's chosen His sons and daughters to bear witness. When you go, well, that's pretty, that's pretty full on. Well, it is full on because the people that witnessed Jesus actually died for that cause. So it wasn't like it was some sort of ruse. So, so this is a really, really big deal. So we have here Jesus appearing on the mountain and some doubted. What the heck? They saw Him crucified, they saw Him buried and they saw Him raised, but they, they doubted. So this is why it's so important to engage the Word and the Holy Ghost. Because you can see something and you can say, I don't even believe what I'm seeing. So this is, I, I, I know I've just flipped the first table, brilliant. So let's move on from that, 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 that upside down table. Let's go back to this. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on, in heaven and on earth, the universe, the multiverse. So all the authority has been given to me, therefore you go. This is how it works. This is, this is, the, this is, this is, the, this is how it's communicated. All authority has been given to Jesus, therefore you go. He's not going anymore. Jesus isn't casting out any more devils. You are in Him. Jesus isn't healing anybody. He is through people. 
And so he says, all authority has been given to me, therefore he sends us. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So this looks like something. Jesus' primary commandment was to go. And we, it's important to come and gather, but His commandment was to go. And it looks like things like the walk for life. That's a, that's a commandment to go. All right, so I, I, it's real, you know, look, you've got to take some things in good faith. I'm going give, give to give you an example. We really do need to pray for everyone in charge of our sound every day. You know how the saying goes is that Satan was cast out of heaven and into every sound desk in every church. The problem with sound is you don't know how good it is until it goes bad. You just take it for granted. So if someone's doing a good job with sound, you don't even notice the sound. Can you imagine how the world would be if there weren't intercessors? You, you, you don't know, because it's, it's like you've got to take it in good faith. Or there weren't things like walk, the walk for life. And that people aren't being held accountable in Parliament. You've got people like Dr. Joanna Howe. Who thought she was awesome yesterday? Uh, she's worth following. She is a giant, giant spirit in a very tiny body. And so, very upskilled. And so, <laughs> we, going looks like something. What we tend to do is we tend to form everything into our own image, which we've got to be careful not to do. It looks like we've, got, we've actually got to get out in the town square and not expect the world to come to us. We have to go. And, 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 and it's pretty rugged out there. It's rugged out there. But what happens if we don't go, God's so patient and so loving, He will allow us to be scattered. If you look at some of the stuff that happened in 2020, God allowed, you got a big percentage of people did not return to church for a number of reasons after 2020. But wouldn't it be great if that, what we wouldn't know statistically, if it gave an, an explosion of a house church movement? I don't have a problem with that. House church, it's fantastic. They went from, they went from in the temple, they went from house to house breaking bread. So here's interesting, like I said, this is we've got to see how big God is and that we've got to go and that we've got to govern, but the governing comes, especially in the going. Revelation 22, 14 and 15. I used to think that this was about a recreated celestial sinless planet until I read this. Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. This is the New Jerusalem. But outside of the New Jerusalem are not very nice people. The dogs, that's interesting. I had a dream about that last night. The sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So we have a case where if we just do church, things will just work out. We actually says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as is a habit of some, but even more as you see the day approaching. And what we have is that the Lord's saying, while we're on the earth, you know, it's, I don't think I'm gonna put this down, but uh, uh, it says in it's Psalm 119, God's Word makes us wiser than our enemies because they're ever before us. Psalm 23, which is very, very used for funerals, but we tend to use Psalm 23 as make the bad man stop. And God says, I'm not gonna remove your enemies. I'm gonna prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies and I'm gonna anoint your head with oil and fill you with goodness. This is what's so exciting. When we start to realise that, you go, there's more than just make the bad man stop sort of a, a sensibility. And we start to realise that according to Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel in, in, interpreted, I interpret dreams, I've got a grace to do it. I, I'm not at the level where I tell people what their dreams were yet. That's pretty hectic. So can you imagine going to someone to interpret their dream and say, let me tell you what you dreamt last night. This is, where, this, is, this, is, this is what Daniel had. So he told Nebuchadnezzar the dream and it was a dynasty man, of, of mankind. But what's interesting, he saw a stone cut without hands. Remember that Jesus is the rock He's the stone that the builders rejected. The Lord, our rock, ascribe greatness. I used to love that, 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 that chorus, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His ways are, uh, He is perfect and all His ways are just. So it starts out of a rock and then it grows into a mountain. A lot of people just waiting for the mountain. 
Romans 8, all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to work out that they have incredible authority because they're in Christ. So I want us to see how big God is, but we can't, it's, it's not about let's do more meetings and, and bring more people in. We need to do that. But right now the church is being called out, that the winds of change are blowing and the church has been called out into the town square. The town square is a rugged place, but we can't just, we, we, we can't, you know, you're gonna hear and see things that are very offensive, but we can't clutch our pearls. Ooh, because we actually, see salt is no good unless it's in a wound. Light is no good unless it's in darkness. A city has to be up on a hill. <coughs> it says, wherever you are, be content. I, I, I love what I do. But before I did this, I used to love what I do then too. I'll never forget See, it's winds of change. We've got to, how can I put it? I was sharing on Tuesday night, church is only mentioned four times by Jesus. Four times. It's a big deal though, but four times. But He mentions the kingdom of God over a hundred times. And there's a big kingdom out there. And ultimately we want to be able to, uh, 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 the ecclesia and rule in the realm of the Spirit, etc. But we've actually got to go out there. And see how big God is and He meets us out there. There's a different grace. I, I find it fascinating. I think uh, talking to uh, Anna Drummond, her brother, Peter. So he's in the Middle East. He's in the Middle East. This is, um, let me quickly throw in there. Jesus mentions the church four times, the kingdom a hundred times, but directly or indirectly, Jesus mentions justice over 500 times. And what happens is the church has to engage justice, but the justice takes place out there. So you've got people praying for revival. Well, here's something interesting. Peter was telling us nearly every meeting they conduct, the first question they say to Muslims in Iraq, there's a move of God in Iran at the moment, Middle East, crazy stuff. And they go this, Put up your hand if you're here because the man wearing white appeared to you and told you to come. And most meetings, up to a third. Up to a third. So when we go out, He meets us in, with power. Why isn't He doing that? I'm not saying He's not doing that to the church. But if we don't go out to be the governors, the salt, the light, the city, just light is hanging out with more light, hoping we'll just, there's some sort of hectic prism effect will take place without obeying the Lord. It's really, really important because there's so many things taking place in the world. There's so much stuff going on. <coughs> but I used to love not doing what I do now. And I love what I do now. I don't have the same opportunities in the, what I used to do. I, I remember, so I'm like a, huh, oh my gosh. When I, when I start to, timeline myself, people go, okay. So I remember I was in Bible college and my first job when I was in Bible college was to work as a waiter. So I used to wait. And so the busiest restaurants, there's two busiest restaurants in Adelaide at the time. One was the Pullman restaurant at the casino. You don't have to tell me that you went. And the other one was in Peary Street in a restaurant called Faster Pasta. So I used to work there and there used to be a whole heap of real characters. There was Enrico, Via, Via, like, you know, and, and like full on. And I was, just, I was just newly saved. So before anyone goes, well, that's, it's easy for you to lead people to the Lord. No, no, no. I, I remember going in working and I remember like, they, they go, what do you do when you're not here? I say, I do Bible college. And they're like, uh-huh. And I remember there's one guy and what happened is that you power walk, you didn't sort of like, it wasn't silver service, you almost ran with food. Who remembers the Piri Street Faster Pasta? Oh yeah. And then when you finished eating, they'd kick you out because they wanted a high turnover. Okay. So anyway, I remember that there was this like, uh, I was getting, I got hectically persecuted. And they go, and I'm, I'm putting bread in one of those little baskets to get the, give them the bread and the parmesan cheese, you know the drill. And then a male way come and just hip and shoulder me and go, hey, Todd, stop praying and start working. And I'm like, 
I know I haven't been saved long, but I better make sure I react in the right way. So what happened, not because I'm a virtuous person, every single shift that I did, I would spend 10 minutes praying before the Lord. I would lift the whole place up. Say, Lord, do whatever you're gonna do. Well, this is why we have to go. This is a dark place. So what happened? Who wants to hear some funny, funny stories? So this is a long time ago, so I'm gonna name names. There's a guy called Aldo. Now Aldo, everyone's mocking me because we had a, a staff meal at the end. They were giving me a hard time. And staff meal, and then Aldo's just watching me like this. And he comes up to me afterwards, full Nicodemus mode. He goes, so do you hear from God? I go, yeah. Can you hear from God for me? Sure. Okay. So anyway, uh, one day goes past saying, Lord, can you give me a word for Alto? Tell me something I couldn't previously know. <coughs> Nothing. Every shift like this, and he goes, did you hear from God for me yet? I go, not yet, bro. About a week passed. You know, one of the best places to hear from God is the shower. So please stay clean. I'm in the shower and the Lord tells me a secret about his past. And I go, and he goes, <laughs> Pat, people everywhere. People, and, and he goes, did you hear from God for me? I said, actually I did. What is and, and he almost like pulls me away. What did he, he goes, what did he say? And I told him, he goes, oh my God, oh my God. Like this, and then next thing you know, he's in revival. And then he's walking up the stairs, he goes, I love God, I love God. Everyone's like, like, what did you do to me? Now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Discipled him. <coughs> Flipping it, because everyone is like, on. I love God. I'm like, wow, cool. Uh, and then, so what happened is that me going into that town square, the wall started coming down. Winds of change. Winds have changed. So then there were other people, they'd go, well, so why do you believe what you believe? And I'd, I'd say stuff. But what was interesting is that there was a guy who came to Adelaide called Jim Spillman. So I went to his meeting and I took the manager, a faster pastor, and the owner. And we're sitting there and Jim Spillman loved his ministry. Very hard to get his stuff online. Very smart. Very funny, very dry, but glory, glory. So he's like, he's, there was this meeting and the power of God's falling. And he said, the power of God's easy. And he said, you can, I, I could chew chewing gum and put it on the stage, you, you touch the chewing gum, the power of God here. And he's doing stuff like this and people getting, the power of God's hitting them. Next thing you know, people getting slain in the spirit everywhere. And so they're, now they're doing a, a salvation altar call. So power, I'm not fully engaged, I'm, I'm just so drunk. So then I turned to the manager, said, do you wanna come down the front and receive Christ? I can't see him, he's actually walking down the front on his own already. <laughs> then I turned to the owner and I can't see him and I look and he's in fetal position shaking under the chair. And I said, do you wanna, and he goes, I'm afraid. <laughs> this is just, just through prayer. You go, oh, but you're, no, 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 I was newly saved. So I'm at Bible college. I was only saved six weeks from in Bible college and this is how this happened. I remember another time, this is how big God is. There was a, a woman, I think Rosa, I think her name was, and she, I'd been witnessing to her, but I never led her to the Lord. And one day, going to the back there, and she goes, Todd, like this, this is in the kitchen, you know? The little Italian mamas washing dishes. You know, you say, anything, would you like anything to drink? So I can't remember their name. She goes, yeah, cannotto. And, and then people misbehave. You're naughty, naughty boy. And uh, I have a condotto, please. And uh, ciao, Bella. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, so Rosie goes like this. And then her face is shining. And I'm going, what? What do you, what do you tell me? She goes, I did it. Did it. I, 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 I received the Lord. Face is shining. 
Because there's such a blessing when you move in the ways of justice, which is going out into the town square rather than hiding in the church, clutching pearls about how dark it's getting. Can someone say amen? Because right now, so much is changing so quickly, but we can't be caught up in all the rubbish going on. When I was a tennis coach, God spoke to me, He said, I want you to coach tennis. And I'm like, there was a kid, I won't name this one, let's call him John, but it wasn't John. And he goes, he said to me, I don't think I'm gonna see my 16th birthday. He was 15. I go, why? He goes, I'm gonna take my life. And I said, John, I said, there's a reason why I'm your tennis coach. I said, because you know my, I was ten, I'm in the marketplace. I'm in the marketplace. I'm in the tennis club. I'm waiting for my students to come. I draw the curtains, lock the door and heaven opens up and I see Jesus start coming to the tennis club. Probably more than if I just stayed in church. And then so, so this would happen. I kept words and knowledge and because, because God's ways of justice are com- connected to us going out there and being in the, in the town square. So, so I remember he goes, I said, there's a reason. I said, because, the, because this is what God wants. He said, I'm your coach because God set us up. And then what happened was, he goes, what do you mean? And as I witnessed to him, his face starts doing this. And I'm like, okay. You know, have you ever been in that place, especially in a class in school, where with everything you got, you want to laugh your guts out, but you're trying to hold it in? The power of God hits him like a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. It was so bizarre because he goes, what's that? And the the cloud of electricity and love hit him. Hit me as well. Power of God is is, is having a road to Damascus experience. Meanwhile, a rotunda over here is a bunch of teenagers smoking weed. (laughs) This is how it works, friends. Being in the town square. And like this, power got like changed his life, got rid of his addictions, joined a church somewhere, the whole bit. The last person I ever coached is they go, <laughs> there's a kid, good kid, very good. We'll call him John as well. But John said, I had this really weird dream. I said, what? He goes, I, was, I had a dream that I was in the air and I saw a cross in the air and then I took my I think something like I looked away from it and then I went into darkness does that mean anything? (laughs) let me tell you something (laughs) and so I said this is the deal led him to Christ next thing I'll get him onto YouTube the finger of God Joshua Mills etc next thing he's seeing in the spirit seeing the spirit hectically but the problem is is that it was outside the parental pay grade and they tripped out and started to, it was, it was pretty full on. I love the town square. And this is the season where if you want to encounter justice in your life, put the town square first. Because I tell you what, you guys get good teaching, amazing worship. But, but, but when, we don't, when we don't go out there, you're quenching the justice of the kingdom of heaven. And you're not gonna get it perfect. You're not gonna get it right. If we just sit in a room together doing nothing for too long, we'll end up devouring each other. Okay, this is, we have to see how big God is and what He has for us. Let's go to, uh, and, and, and I'm all for, there's a great, there's a time to meet and gather, but revival in the kingdom isn't, let's say, praise the Lord, we're gonna have endless meetings. We've got to get out there, friends. What about your workplace? Just start praying about your workplace, seeing what happens. You go, oh, I'm not really good at witnessing. Well then pray, a door opens and they ask you a question. Everyone has a testimony. You don't have to prove God. You just bear, be, you just bear witness. It's all judicial. Jesus manifested to me. My life's changed. My family's changed. God's blessed me, blah, 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 blah. It's not hard. But we've got to, we, we, we've got to start to engage it on so, such a more uh, 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 applied way because the winds are changing, blowing. Let's do Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, and uh, he didn't clear his throat. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what you have is that historically, it was in the area of Caesarea Philippi, which was the base of Mount Hermon, which is connected to, to Pan, which is hectic, sexual, demonic garbage. And Jesus said, in this place of known darkness, a portal, a gate of hell, 
I'm gonna build my church. So here's the deal, this is what's really cool. I have to cooperate with Him. This is not my church. It's not, that's why I, I, I will not. This is Jesus' church. He carries it on His shoulders. This is why if I do a good job, you see Him and not me. It's, it's not about field of dreams, it's brand. It is about Jesus who's risen from the dead. You'll notice if you're visiting, there's not even a sign out front. I think there's, there's good psychology around marketing and branding, but if that, if that actually becomes a cul-de-sac and not a road, it's a problem. It's a problem. So we're always gonna be ourselves per se, but I'll tell you what right now, is that He's building His church and He's building His church in the face of real darkness, real darkness. And so what I wanna do is I wanna, we do, I'm not gonna cite that scripture. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna leave that Psalm 119. But it says that our enemies will always be with us. But what happens is that we, we actually walk in the glory while we're in a place where there's, where there's darkness. And so I don't know, you know, firstly, I'm not wearing my glasses, so I don't know. But who was here, you know, seven or eight years ago? I started, I did a series on a Tuesday night. I started by saying that the Lord told me, He said, there's going to be a season where you're gonna see Trojan horses everywhere. And I'm like, and we didn't really hear that. You remember that? Some people watched it online. That nothing is gonna be as it seems. Everything will be a ruse. And I spoke that for quite some weeks. The Lord says Trojan horses. This is why discerning of spirit is so important. Then I did a series on Tuesday nights about postmodern ideology. And I did it for about three or four weeks. I showed videos. I was very laboured about it. But basically, postmodern ideology is communism with lipstick. Instead of the class war of the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, it is now identity groups. So what we have, we have a Labour government and many governments engineering chronic chaos and division within the nations. Chronic. And this has been engineered, offence. We had someone recently here have a, there's, there's some things we're navigating. Someone here had a dream. This realm of the Spirit is crazy. There's no distance in the Spirit. Had a dream that there were, people were smoking and cigarette butts were everywhere outside. And cigarettes or cigarette butts in dreams usually mean offence. And what happens is this, don't let offence, don't let offence take you out. That's a really dopey move. Do you know, quick commercial, I'm blown away by the amount of people, including leaders, that hear one thing from one person and they go, well, this is the way it is. They're disqualified for government because it's lazy and it's cowardly if someone gets in your ear, you go, I've got to go to the source. What, is this true or not? I, I, I think I shared this Tuesday night. But secondhand offence is worse than offence. Now, a bunch of you weren't here Tuesday. Wave to me if you're married. Come on, wave, wave. Okay, pretend you're a concert, do this. Okay. So what happens if your spouse starts to complain about their parents? They said this, they said that, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, this is unfair, I'm really hurt, I'm really offended. And you as the other half goes, can't believe they did that. Unbelievable, that's unbelievable, really? Like this, yeah. And then what happens after that conversation, they move on and forgive in their heart, but the other spouse is like, I'm not gonna let them come around again. (laughs) And then what happens as they're complaining, you jump on top and go, yeah, and they did this, and then they get offended at you for being angry with them. Wave at me if you've experienced this. Come on. Secondhand offence because it can never be resolved. And then what happens, this is why it says if you've got something, you've got to go to your brother. But when, you, when people hear something from one person, they go, oh, like this. You go, are you for real? Especially leadership. It's a massive issue. It, 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 we've got to be careful. We've got, don't get taken out because people form a narrative in their head. Now this is very important. A narrative is very important because it actually tells a story and God's a storyteller and we love stories. So we actually interpret interpret things through narratives. It's not just science and stuff, it's narratives. This is why in anthropology and all ancient cultures, a story is a society is built around storytelling. 
So at the moment, we are, just so you know, there's a narrative being formed by media, government, and it's now becoming popular culture. Did you know that if you believe marriage is between a man and a woman, and you are the sex you're born with, you are now counterculture. Spirit of intimidation just kicks some people in the chops. Okay, let me say that again. Did you know that if you just believe marriage is between a man and a woman and that you are the sex you are that you were born with, you are now counterculture? Can someone say amen? Do you guys think we're on CCTV or something? <laughs> the social credit system hasn't started yet. You're right, sunshine. This is real. We come under that. So maybe we've got to get out there more and see God move powerfully. Because why is He turning up to Muslims everywhere and churches are struggling to do church? Because we're not engaging justice. We're not engaging it. You, you wanna see the Lord manifest on turbo. Anytime you share the gospel, wow. Even if you're clumsy. Can you imagine if you like stutter like Elmer Fudd, the and the glory falls, oh, okay. And you realise it wasn't about you. He just wanted salt and light to manifest. Praise God. <laughs> if we're gonna go down, let's go down with the truth. Otherwise it's like, if you, if you do appeasement, you're feeding that crocodile, hoping that you'll be the last one in the room that eats. We can't be that, that is, that's, that's fear. Even Peter Garrett said, it's better to die on your feet than to live on your knees. And so we have this situation now where we've got to engage justice, but there's a narrative being formed. Now I'm gonna to talk to you about something I'm very passionate about. I can't stand lies. I can't stand that people make decisions that will never affect them, but will affect other people. So I remember when I used to watch a network called the Clown News Network, uh, CNN, sorry. <laughs> 1991, the Gulf War. The Gulf War. I remember coming down from the freeway and seeing written on the, those weird things in front of the petrol station. No, it was, the, it was the wall of the nunnery. Great place to do graffiti. It was a message. You know, you know like if, you, if you get a spray can and you spray somewhere where you shouldn't and say Jesus loves you, that's called a vandalism. And I remember it said World War Three live on CNN. And we're seeing this vision of bombs hitting such and such. And then Twin Towers took place. <laughs> That's worth investigating. Anyway, you know, then we're like, we've got to take out Saddam Hussein and Afghanistan. Had nothing to do with the Twin Towers. And then the propaganda machine started to roll. And people get passionate because humans are easily programmed, easily programmed. So now, obviously Afghanistan didn't work out because not only did nothing change, but now the US has left over $80 billion worth of military hardware. Yeah, that doesn't change the young people that died, does it? Well, guess what? They've been pushing this again. Now, if you're in a bubble, it's okay, we're gonna burst it today. Because right now you have, because of Vladimir Putin and Russia and everyone who posted the Ukrainian flag on their Facebook without understanding anything that took place. Same propaganda stuff. Is you've got the head of the, uh, the UK military saying if Putin doesn't resign soon, conscription is inevitable. Another war that doesn't need to happen. Another generation of young people going through the meat grinder. They've, they've, they've upped recruitment in the US. So here you have a situation, I'm not gonna go into, I'm not gonna go into the geopolitical background, the Donbass region, Ukraine, blah, 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 uh, uh, Crimean Peninsula, all, it, it's very involved. But what's happened is a narrative of, yeah, Russia influenced the election. And we need to know what's going on because if you have a child or a grandchild, it could really affect them. We've got to wake up 
Most people would have no idea. When you have Western governments calling for conscription over wars that did not need to be fought, Houston, we have a problem. We have another war machine to create billions, if not trillions of dollars in income. And this is taking place now. So then you go, Putin wants this, Putin that, Putin this. So during the week, a guy called Tucker Carlson, who by default looks goofy. <laughs> Bow ties and like, <laughs> So he goes over and interviews. Now, even though Barbara Walters interviewed Putin, even though you have... Um, Megan Kelly and other talking heads from the left. It is outrage in America and I'll tell you why. Number one, I'm not painting Putin as a virtuous person. Please, this is not a simple issue. But he categorically came out and said, we have tried to, to engage with peace. Peace. And what happens, all we're hearing, hearing from the media is he wants war. He says he wants peace. And that he even said that there was a meeting in Istanbul, Turkey to sign peace, but an ex-UK PM went and spoke to Zelensky and co and made sure it didn't happen. And since then, 450,000 young people have gone to their deaths. Friends, the Great Commission looks like something. It looked like, in William Wilberforce's day, it looked like slavery. In this day, it is infanticide. And now we're seeing more stuff because that war machine wants to chew and spit out the future so we go through another cycle of devastation unless we step up in the realm of the Spirit. Can someone say amen? amen? Now you've got a generation who don't believe in their country they live in because they're offended. And so we actually have to, we have to engage this whole realm. We have to, we have to on a deeper level this year engage who Jesus is. This stuff's happening, but we can't do it in our own strength. We can't. This morning as we were worshipping, you see this incredible sense of the awesomeness of God, the love of God. But trust me, friends, when I say, this is why Paul says, in Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory, in Him, with Him, through Him. When you are rooted and grounded in Him, He does it through you. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You start to see incredible things happen and there's real reward. We're talking about 24 elders. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna finish with a story of a guy that went to heaven. I want you to see how awesome Jesus is and He is sending you. He's sending you into the town square. He's sending you into this historic time where there's winds of change. So many things. We are seeing historic events take place weekly. In regards to this interview with Tucker Carlson, oh my gosh, he comes out, he goes, Nord Stream Pipeline. He said, who blew it up? He goes, you guys did. And you can even, this is incredible. We're talking, the things that are taking place right now across the world are incredibly brazen. They're brazen, I'll tell you what, this is all hands on deck. We have to make sure we're not in an Adelaide bubble. Or a, or, a, or a suck in our belly button because you can even take spirituality and your prophetic scroll and make it about you. Because Jesus speaks about justice continually, but only the church a handful of times. Doesn't diminish the role of the church, but what it does do, it realises we've actually got to put ourselves out there and watch it. That this is why He's appearing to Muslims all over the world. Should be people out there preaching the Gospel a little bit more, methinks. Can someone say Amen. This is why. I mean, I got you to pray that prayer without you knowing what you're praying. How clever was that? The winds of change. But go with it. Because sometimes chaos actually is God's fingerprint to actually He's sending us. We've got to make sure Proverbs 14, 14 says this. The backslider in a heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Right now, this is the only true satisfaction. We've got to make sure this cannot be about us. We can't let a spirit of offence start to deceive. If you've got an issue, you go to a person. You triangulate. If I was to hear one thing from one person or one news source, I'd be lazy and a fool. Because right now we need discerning of spirits more than ever. I'd encourage anyone to listen to that interview. I saw yesterday, what, do you have a running tally of how many people have watched it already, this interview? What, what, what? Wow. Okay, okay. Can I put something in perspective? So when you watch Channel 10 Eyewitness News, 
probably they're including you watching it with your dog and your cat next to you. And there might be 100,000. Oh my gosh. Did you know that it's less than 48 hours since this viewed? Do you know how many people have watched it around the world? Nearly 150, nearly 150 million. hundred sorry, 186 million. 186. This isn't 48 hours. That's just on Twitter. I think it's even on YouTube. It's on YouTube now. So if you guys are worried, don't, you don't have to become a twit. You can go onto YouTube. Now this is really happening. Watch it and go, oh my gosh. Because I'll tell you what, we can't afford on our watch another war based on lies to destroy a whole generation. Can someone say amen? I'm not convinced that our government's had an original thought in its whole tenure. I'm sorry, I've got to call it. So getting back to what we were saying before, I'll tell you what, the Lord wants to move, but He wants to move in the town square. And He's appearing to Muslims everywhere and church is crying out for revival. Norm McLeod came here and he's talking about his, his testimony where his worshiping got caught up to heaven and he saw that these are the horses of the, these are the, 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 the horses out of the Lord's stable. And these are the Lord's captains who've never tasted defeat and so on and so forth. He's described, who remembers that message? And then he saw the Lord sitting on his throne and he saw people call it crying out for revival, the church crying out for revival. And he saw the Maori women, I think, crying out for justice. And he bent his ear to the Maori women, not the people who want a revival. And the Lord said, theirs is a just cry. Friends, if you wanna see God move in your life, you connect yourself to what is just. And right now the Great Commission is that just cause. We cannot abdicate or relinquish what has been given to us. One day, like this is a thought that continually, continually floods my mind. And that's, I'm gonna stand before Jesus. My sin has been judged. You got judged at Calvary. For the believer, there's not judgment of sin. Can someone say amen? But you'll, 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 He'll assess your life. Can we, this is the last scripture that I'm gonna read you this account of heaven. Who likes accounts of heaven? Okay, well, we'll start with a biblical one and then we'll get an anecdotal prophetic one. So, whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before. Every amazing thing that God's done in and through you will manifest as a crown. And then when you see Him, you see how amazing He is, you will actually put it at His feet and going, I'm nothing. You're that amazing. If you fasted and prayed for decades, you lead millions of people to the Lord. You raise the dead, billions to the, to the mission field and it manifests as a crown, then you'll see Him and you'll lay it at His feet because He is awesome. He is awesome. And what does it say? Go back to that. The 24 elders fell down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power for You created all things and by Your will or pleasure they exist and were created. I'm gonna finish with a story uh, of a guy who didn't live for God and he cried out to God just before he died. That's hashtag nick of time. And then he goes to heaven and then what happens, his account of just these incredible things. If you're watching this here or live on the podcast, heaven is real. Heaven is real. You don't wanna miss out. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. Who's ready for a supernatural story? Who's ready? His name's Jim Woodward. He's been on Sid Roth. You can watch his testimony. He says, I was engrossed in the majesty and sheer dimensions of all that I'd seen. So much that I lost track of the tallest angel who had been leading me through heaven. I was in awe of the flowers and, and was again aware of the breeze and the gentle sound of heaven's musical accompaniment all around me that flowed to the very throne of God. As I turned around, I noticed the tallest guardian a short distance away behind me on a little rise. I turned towards him and saw him bowing in reverence toward a figure that was even taller than him. I wondered whether this was yet another angel. 
But as brilliant as the other angel's robes were, this figure's garment was as brilliant as the sun. His bearing was noble and a golden light emanated from this figure, making the light of the other angels seem dim by comparison. In awe, I turned right around and and staggered slowly up the path towards the figure. This golden light flowed up and out of the figure like a fountain, cascading down, downward and pooling around him. The golden flow encompassed everything around the figure, even when the light would converge with the flowers around the figure. Though they were already in bloom, they bloomed even higher and more beautifully. The flowers stretched upward toward him. This golden sunlight, S-O-N, light flowed from him with the properties of liquid. I watched in fascination and awe as this light slowly made its way down the sloped path toward me. As it pulled around my feet, I was suddenly filled with the knowledge that this incredible figure was none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I had to get closer. I had only taken a few steps when I was aware that the angels had come behind me and gently but firmly held me back. The face of this figure was hidden from me at first, but there was a wavy shimmer surrounding him like one might see on the surface of a road on a hot summer's day. His face was in profile to me. Though I could not see his face, there was a deep soul-stirring perception that connected me to him almost immediately. Then when the flow of this light and love touched me, my spirit leapt with the realisation that I was in the presence of the Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ. The, The light around me was sunlight. Words are inadequate again to describe the appearance and the bearing of the only begotten Son of God. He was not a picture in a children's Bible nor a legendary character. I was speechless at his appearance though I could not yet see his face. He wore a simple yet beautiful seamless white garment with a red sash. There appeared to be no hem to this brilliant garment but a kind of golden mist that flowed at its base. The angels then bowed slightly and backed away in reverence to Jesus and went down on one knee. All became quiet before the King of kings and Lord of lords. Suddenly the shimmer vanished from the face of Jesus and He turned fully toward me. The angels who had been escorting me were beautiful but were now, uh, but now the face of Jesus was before me. Seeing His face was the apex of my journey to heaven and what a face. This face was ruggedly handsome yet surprisingly human. His hair wasn't long like I would have expected from seeing many paintings and pictures depicting him. His hair was brown and curled just over the collar of his robe. Now, as I stood before Jesus, he smiled at me. The most radiant, beautiful, loving smile like a father or a mother would give a son or a daughter. It was just overwhelmingly beautiful. And I felt the warmth of his smile flowing through me. His smile portrayed an unconditional love for me, someone who had never, ever acknowledged him who had turned away from Him at every turn along the way of my early life. Then I saw the most striking and unforgettable aspect of Jesus' face, His eyes. The eyes of Jesus flashed with blue and gold and green, drawing me into a deep sense of eternity. The eyes of Jesus were filled with relentless love for me and for you. These eyes that had never seen my devotional worship, that had never met my eyes looking for Him, His eyes spoke volumes to me. As I gazed more deeply, I saw something that moved me then and moves me to tears even now years later. In those eyes was a well of both compassion and sorrow. There was sorrow for those who had not yet acknowledged or recognised Him. There was a sadness for how I had personally lived my life apart from Him, so much time and life lost and squandered. Yet there was a great love for me that so encompassed me that I felt as though I was the only person ever born. In those moments suspended in eternity, I was His sole focus. This same love is available for all people who know and turn toward Him and with this gracious love flows forgiveness for all. Now the tall angel stood in front of Jesus and as he bowed low, he brought something out of the sleeve of his robe. It appeared to be a very thin book of some kind, which the angel then opened for Jesus to read. It was as thin as a menu from a local diner. I don't know how, but somehow I knew this was the book of my life, filled with both good and bad. It was a thin volume with sparse entries of any kindness or love I had shown for my fellow man. My heart sank and my soul was crushed with the most incredible shame. I had invested my life in myself, mostly ignorant of the needs of other people around me. As Jesus began to read, the angel turned his face toward me, focusing those beautiful violet eyes on me. Then I heard his voice in my thoughts saying, James, what did you do with the life my master gave you? 
Sadly, I had no answer. I stood face to face with Jesus exposed. I was filled with a deep despair and wondering how such indifference could dwell in the presence of such love. Yet Jesus never referred to the thinness of that book. He never looked down on me with shame or judgment. The shame and regret were mine, not His. I had judged and I had condemned myself. In the midst of this face-to-face encounter, another feeling flowed from Jesus, joy. His face was set on the edge of a smile and I knew that His heart was to impart His joy to me. His joy had nothing to do with the volume of good things I had done, whether thick or thin. As Jesus was silently reading the book, my life unfolded before me. The words He read became images that leapt off the pages of the book and into my mind. Pictures of events from early childhood to the most recent days before my experience in heaven. As they say, my life flashed before His eyes. It didn't take Jesus long to read the thin book of my life. He had been inclined forward and now He had straightened up with the angel now bowing more deeply. Through Jesus' stature did not increase. He seemed to be even taller to me. The book was now closed and the angel replaced the book in the sleeve of his robe and vanished. I was filled with anticipation as it seemed that Jesus was about to speak to me. It was that feeling in the air before a thunderstorm that comes during a hot summer's day or just before a clap of thunder. Then I heard the most elegant, deep baritone voice speaking my name, James. He spoke audibly to me now, not as thoughts transferred. To hear that voice speaking my name penetrated to the deepest part of me. Jesus, the Son of God, spoke my name. His voice caused me to stagger for a moment and I wanted to kneel as angels, as the angels had when Jesus first appeared, but the angels kept me upright. When Jesus spoke my name, He held out His hand to me with the palm up, uh, turned upward and toward me in a gesture of invitation. I tried to move forward, but I could not. I was frozen in awe. But when Jesus held out His hand, I saw the radiant light of His garment shining through a hole in His wrist, the wrist that had been nailed to the cross for me, for all of us. It was not just a bloody or jagged hole, but clearly an oddly shaped scar He willingly took upon Himself. The moment I realised it was the scar of the crucifixion, I was filled with an overwhelming sense of profound sadness, guilt and shame. I felt sadness for the savage way my sin had killed him. I felt guilt for ignoring his sacrifice all my life. Now Jesus looked directly at me with eyes filled with compassion and love. Something life-changing happened in that brief encounter. How I longed to see those eyes again, all that I had searched for my entire life was fulfilled in those eyes and the words he spoke to me. Now Jesus fixed his total attention on me and spoke, James, my son, this is not, Yet your time, go back and tell your brothers and sisters of the wonders we have shown you here. While these words were brief, they were long on meaning for me, though Jesus didn't speak many words to me, they were powerful and transformational. James, to hear the God who created everything speak my name had deep meaning for me. He knew my name. I was not some anonymous blob of humanity. I had a name and he was speaking it. As Jesus spoke my name, I sensed my value in His eyes. Jesus knows who I am. When Jesus spoke my name, it was as though I was the only person ever born. Hallelujah. Can we put on the worship pads? What I want us to do, I just feel, I could just, the presence of the Lord is so strong here. You know, it says that He who has the Son has life. What I wanna do is I want us all to pray, but you feel something pulling you this morning, whether it's a deeper level of commitment or you're not even sure you're right with God. If you feel something pulling on you, especially whether it's the the Lord's sense of justice or that sense of properly aligning your right with Him, we're gonna pray in a second. But if you feel this, if you feel a pulling on you to stand, I want you to stand. Come on, I want you to stand. If you feel that pulling on you, so I have to. Jesus is, is pulling me into an extra layer, an extra layer of His love and grace. There's something going on here, Angel of the Lord. See, I'm telling you right now. This is actually a prayer of acknowledgement and surrender. That's it. Prayer of acknowledgement and surrender. I just want to keep you. I'm not even looking around. I don't even know what the deal is, but. If you're standing, I just want you to put your hands out, outstretched to the Lord. I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus, I thank You that You are 
the Son of God and You died at Calvary for my sins. Right now, by Your Spirit, You are calling me upward and deeper to feel, to know, to taste, to touch Your love. I say yes to this call, taking me deeper and more upward. I thank You for the call to the town square, to the place where people need to hear about You. I say yes. Fill me with Your Spirit, Lord. Mm. Wow. Wow. Winds of change. Only one touch from Him is all it takes. One gaze from Him, one encounter with Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not about field of dreams, friends. It's about the King of glory. If you wanna grab your communion now, As much as I love grape juice that has been pickled in a plastic container, Tuesday night we're going to do what we used to do. We're just going to, just as a change up, just organising it now. We're going to have an impartation night around communion. I'll tell you what, right now, the thing he says do it often, as often as you remember, is his broken body and shed blood. Such a big deal. So I'm just going to pray and then. Take communion. Lord, I thank You right now. We discern Your body. In, in it is life and healing. We discern in Your body is complete remission of sins. We discern in Your body that Your Spirit dwells to confirm the Spirit of life. Right now, we thank You for the new covenant that was sealed in Your blood. So right now, bless this communion to us and let it be life-giving. In Jesus' Name, Amen. That testimony about Jesus, who found that spoke spoke to their heart? It's all about Him. It's all about Him. But He's calling us out on the town square. Make sure 
whether it's today or during the week, get some popcorn, sit down on a couch and watch Tucker Carlson's interview. They're giving you the heads up. The first 20 minutes to half an hour is a monologue of the history of Russia. But I'll tell you what, right now, we've got to make sure that this generation of billionaires and politicians do not sell out this next generation of young people. Can I get an Amen? Jesus' Name. Praise God. Offer up a shout to the Lord. Come on. Come on. (laughs) There you go. All right. Have a good day, guys. (laughs) Amen.